Pastor Xavier Reese and your part in the body of Christ. Do you see yourself as one of many of the members of the body of Christ? Are you doing your part? Are you standing behind the church where God has sent you to attend? Do you attend Bible studies? Are you in ministry? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Don't ask your pastor what he wants you to do. You will go to God and see what gifts he's given you and then look what's available and jump in the ministry. Jump in the trenches. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most churches could do better at ministering to the needs of the people, but according to God's design for the church, its members are the ministers. Today, in his continuing series from the book of Ephesians, Pastor Xavier takes a close look at the importance of being active members of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. The message is entitled, Why Should We Walk as One? Paul has moved into the practical section of the epistle and exhorts the Ephesians to walk worthy of their calling with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, forbearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the first three verses, Paul now gives to them seven reasons why they should walk worthy of the unity of the Holy Spirit. Let me read verse 4 through 6. Therefore, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You didn't know Paul was a southerner. Um, this is his reasons. Seven of them. Seven is a perfect number. Number of perfection. Seven perfectly good reasons why you and I should walk in oneness where God is taking you to fellowship to do the work of God. Let's begin with the first. First, because there is one body. The metaphor of a body is unique of the church. If you've ever, ever read the Old Testament, the term body is never used of God's people in the Old Testament. Israel is referred to as the wife, the spouse, the treasure, the vine, an olive tree, a fig tree, but never a body. It's unique to the New Testament church. The term body, soma, simply refers to the physical structure of any animal, person, plant, planet. The context will tell you that. Of the nine times it appears here in this letter, this epistle, every time it refers to the corporate body of Jesus Christ except for one. The one exception is Ephesians 5.28 where it says, men, uh, love your wife as you love your own body. That's the only exception. The one body is synonymous with the term church, ecclesia, called out. Those called out of darkness, a sinful lifestyle, to walk in the one body of holiness and purity under the direction of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23 has told us that, which is he's the head and we are his body. It's just simple, people. This is your head, this is your body. Your body responds to your head, not the reverse. The church is spastic today. The church is a playground of a lot of spoiled children. And if they get yelled at, they pick up their toys and go play somewhere else. Listen, if you pick up your toys and go to another church, you only take your problems. People dump their marriages. They take their problems into another church. Fix the problem. Grow up, mature. Get things squared away. You're going to run out of playgrounds. 
The one body is comprised of Jew and Gentile, reconciling one body through the cross. Ephesians 2.16 has told us that. The one body is composed of those who have been born again of the gospel. Ephesians 3.6 told us that. The one body is the community of God's redeemed, who are the representatives of Jesus Christ in this earth in his absence. Ephesians 3.30 tells us that. Now, secondly, the body is made up of diverse people. I think you would have to agree with me on that. There are people of different temperaments. There's jubilant, happy people. There's serious people. There's moody people. There's pessimistic people. There's optimistic people. There's difficult people. There's easygoing people. There are people of different personalities. You have quiet people, talkative people, nosy people, rude people, know-it-all people, critical people, and gracious people. And guess what? They're all here. There are people of different races, white, black, brown, yellow, red. And yet, the body of Christ is made up of these various individuals. To comprise the community of God's redeemed, the people of God, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and all, Colossians 3.11 says. I love it. Where would you get a composite and a mixture of people like you have in this auditorium in the world? You wouldn't. You gravitate to your own race, to your own little group, to your own little likings. We always run in a bubble through life. <laughs> Only in Christ are those walls torn down. Only in Christ. Thirdly, the body is made up of many local bodies, those on earth and than of those who were on earth, but now they're gone to heaven. There are independent churches such as Calvary chapels doing an incredible work. There are denominational churches such as Baptists, Presbyterian, Methodists, Lutherans, so on and so forth. There are extremes on both sides of the pendulum. You have ultra-Pentecostals who just go all the way on everything and say it's all of God. Then you have on the other extreme those extreme academic cerebral churches that are dead right. Then there are balanced churches that teach the word of God, evangelize the community, and provide an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to direct the individual's lives. Decent and in order. There are those who have died and have gone to heaven, and now they're in heaven, but they're still part of the church universal. The universal church is the whole family of God in heaven and earth, which one day will be gathered together. He told us that in Ephesians 1, 10 and 3, 15. The body of Christ transcends all denominations, all sectarianism, and race, economics, social status, and all exclusivism, all being one in Christ. Nowhere do you ever see that. The problem today is that a lot that is going on is hypocritical. Like in the days of Jesus, the Pharisees, they were the leaders. He says, hypocrites, actors. And today the church has been going through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's take it from the Jesus movement, the latter 60s. And we've had 25 to 30 years. And you know what? We've gotten real compromising, and we've gotten real carnal in the church today. 
We've come a long ways, baby. Backwards, not forwards. The body of Christ is comprised of many members, as Paul says, as a human body in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The most beautiful and simple illustration, your own body, you live with it every day, so do I. And we say, oh, yes, hands, feet, and all that, but yet we act contrary to that. It would be like the members of the body not acknowledging the oneness of the body, and they became critical of each other and exalting themselves among themselves and by themselves rather than acknowledging the differences, valuing the diversity, and benefiting from the efficiency of each member. This hand could say, well, I, you know, that, that arm, it just hangs there. I'm the one that does all the grabbing. I don't need the arm. And if he can say, you know what, I carry this whole load. It's not fair. And I never get any acknowledgement. Hmm. Sound like the church today. But don't think you're any different, or I. The apostles were saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom? <laughs> and when the two asked Jesus for the right and left hand, the ten got mad at the two. Why? I've told you before, because the ten had the same thing in mind, except the two beat the ten to it. <laughs> Welcome to the church. If you think I'm cynical, I'm not. I'm a realist. If the church weren't made of a people, we'd have a great church. We're kind of stuck with each other, people. <laughs> That's why we should walk in the Spirit. You have the individuals that are very denominational-oriented, and if you don't do things the way they say, you aren't to join their church, and they may even suggest you're not even saved. Some would divide the body of Christ simply by the manner of baptism. Do you baptize face down, back, in Jesus' name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Which way? Then you have those individuals who are so self-righteous that if they knew your past, they would excommunicate you. Because after all, the church is no place for sinners, but for self-righteous people. <laughs> Jesus said the physician is sent to the sick, not those who think they're whole. On the other hand, you have those who claim they have new added revelations and they're giving us all this new revelation and they exalt themselves, they're the, the chosen frozen and um, the elite. And we have the ear telling the mouth how to talk, but the only funny thing is the ear has never said a word. And the eye is telling the nose how to smell, but the eyes never smelled anything. And the feet are telling the hands how to grab, but the feet have never grabbed anything. And then the face is exalting itself because it's got an ugly body. That's the church today, people. You remember Paul told the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 29 through 30, some of you will draw disciples unto yourself. Nothing has changed, people. Only the time. Only the generation. Do you see yourself as one of many of the members of the body of Christ? Are you doing your part? Are you standing behind the church where God has sent you to attend? Do you attend Bible studies? Are you in ministry? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Don't ask your pastor what he wants you to do. You will go to God and see what gifts he's given you. And then look what's available and jump in the ministry. Jump in the trenches. All of us are living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Offering up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You and I are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you and I should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past, we were not a people, but now we're a people of God. 
which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. 1 Peter 2, 5, 9, and 10. It might surprise some of you, maybe even many people. But all will sing the new song, the song before the throne of God. Listen to it. You are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation and made us a kingdom of priests to our God. Revelations 5, 9. I've already memorized it. I plan on singing it. And before the throne is going to be people just like you and I. Different temperaments, different personalities, different colors. One body. We walk in unity because there is only one body. Second reason. Because there is one spirit. The word spirit refers to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not an it. It's not an essence. Personal pronoun is used. He. The Holy Spirit is the second person of the Trinity. All three persons are God, co-equal. All three persons comprise one God. The Holy Spirit is the earnest, the down payment. We've seen that the engagement ring that has been given to the believer at his or her new birth in Ephesians 1.13. The Apostle Paul has mentioned the Holy Spirit eight times up to this verse. The epistle is about life in the Spirit. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gave birth to the body of the church at Pentecost in Acts 2. You know that. He is called the Spirit of Truth, John 14, 26. He is called, or He guides us into all truth, John 16, 7, and 13. He does not speak of Himself or glorify Himself, John 16, 13, and 14. He is called the Spirit of the Lord in Acts 5, 9. He is called the Spirit of Christ in Romans 8, 9. He is called the Holy Spirit in Romans 15, 13. He is the seal of the believer in Ephesians 1, 13. One Spirit. But thirdly, the Holy Spirit spoke and guided the early church body. Therefore, I would assume it should be doing the same thing today. Remember the first church council in Acts 15, 28? They didn't know what to do with the Gentiles. They wanted to put them under the law, circumcision, everything else. And they said this, For it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that not to lay any greater burden upon them. Do you notice the priority? It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It's the Holy Spirit who guides the church, not men. When men begin to guide the church, the church is in trouble. Yes, men are placed in the church, but hopefully these men are godly. They're submitting themselves to God, running things by the Scripture, and their ear is attentive to the leading of the Spirit of God, not the agendas of man. Very important. The Holy Spirit said at Antioch, Now separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Acts 13, 2. That the Holy Spirit will call you out to a ministry, call you out to do something, call you out to go here or there. The Holy Spirit, not the pastor, not anybody else, but you had the prompting in your heart because you have the Spirit of God. You remember Paul, Silas, and Timothy were forbidden to preach in the word in Asia and in Mysia because God was directing them through the Spirit over to Macedonia. A vision at night, a man from Macedonia come over and help us. Acts 16, 6 through 7 on down. And they came to Philippi. The demon-possessed girl. Then they got busted, thrown in the can. Then they saved the jailer. He got saved through the earthquake. God guiding. Open doors. If you're crazy enough to trust God, he's just crazy enough to open those doors. (laughs) 
We are engaged to Christ by the seal of the Spirit, Ephesians 1.13. Are you being a faithful bride? Protect your garment. We have access by one Spirit to the Father, Ephesians 2.18 told us. Do you come before the throne of grace? Often. We are being built up together as a habitation of God's Spirit, Ephesians 2.22 says. Are you part of the problem or the solution in the body of Christ? We believe the gospel revealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.5 told us that. We didn't come to Christ because we're so smart. We didn't figure it out. The Holy Spirit turned the light on. And all of a sudden, we saw ourselves lost and we call upon his name. I study the word of God and the Holy Spirit turns the light on. It's not because I'm so smart. We are strengthened by the Spirit in the inner man, we, took, we, we read in Ephesians 3.16. Thank God for that. We would never make it, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord, Zechariah 4.6. We are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4.3. We don't make unity. We disrupt unity. We don't hold a unity. We distort unity. The unity is a, a natural, automatic result of the Spirit. You and I can only mess it up. And that's why we're to walk in the Spirit in accordance with the Word. Make sure God is the focus, not you. The agendas of God, not yours. We are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which we are sealed to the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30 says. So we are to walk in unity because there is what? One spirit. Now notice the third reason. Because we are called in one hope of our calling. Notice first, the one hope deals with the proclamation of the gospel of salvation. That's where it begins. This hope is not of uncertainty or one by chance, but one of certainty that our sins have been forgiven if we truly repent. This hope is based on the person of Jesus Christ by faith through grace, that not of ourselves, it's a work of God, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. This hope is laid up for us in heaven. The hope of the gospel that we heard, Colossians 1, 5 and 23 says. And our hope is not for this life alone. Because if it were, we would be of most men miserable and the most to be pitied, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19 and 20. If this was just a benefit here, well, we're, we're losing out on a lot of fun. But it isn't. Notice, secondly, the one hope deals with daily transformation. Salvation is just the beginning. Transformation and conformity to Christ. We once walked according to this age and the prince and the power of the air like a meandering river and like a weather vane that turns with the wind, Ephesians 2.2 2 told us. That's a good picture. Two good pictures of you and I before. Meandering river, looking for the softest point, a bunch of weasels. We don't like commitment. We don't like sticking things out. Secondly, like the weather vane, the, the wind hits it, and boom, we just turn. Oh, world's done. Okay, let's go. We just go. <laughs> Two good pictures, what we were. We have been raised up together and made to sit together with Christ in the heavenlies, Ephesians 2, 6 says. Notice the contrast. We no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility or vanity or emptiness of our mind having our understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance and a hardened heart, Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 tells us. We are to put off the old man with his former conduct according to the deceitful lust and renewed in the spirit of our mind and put on the new man which is created according to God in righteousness and true holiness, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 tells us. 
What a contrast. What did Paul pray for these guys in the first prayer in Ephesians 1.18? He prayed that they might know what is the hope of God's calling. Once we're saved, then what is it that God has in store for me? Hope speaks of the future. Hope speaks anything beyond today. Faith is for the present. Hope is for the future. And love joins them together. And if you don't have love joining faith and hope, you'll fall in the pit. Love for yourself will win out. It has to be love for Christ. Thirdly, the one hope deals with our ultimate transformation and glorification. Salvation, transformation, glorification. The seal of the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of redemption till the purchased possession. He's told us that in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. The Father will gather together in one all things, both in heaven and earth, in the fullness of time. He told us in chapter 1, verse 10. The Father has made us members of His household, the family of God, Ephesians 2.19 and 3.15. Notice that everything I'm giving to you is out of Ephesians. Everything is here. Christ is said to be in us the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27 says. We look for a city whose foundation and builder and maker is God, Hebrews 11.10. They did a test with sewer rats, and they put them in to see how long they would survive in water. And they found out, I forget exactly the time, but they drowned. They put the next sewer rats in, and right when they got to that time, they pulled the rat out. After they were rested, they put them back in the water. To their surprise, they went a lot longer. Right before they went down, they pulled them out, let them rest. And they kept doing that back and forth. They found that they went from minutes to hours to survive. You know why? Because they had been rescued once, and they had the hope of being rescued again. You've been rescued by Jesus Christ. And as you go through life, he rescues you over and over and over again, one thing out of another. It should make you a persevering people. It should make you long-suffering. It should make you conditioned to run the race that's a marathon and not be a bunch of wimps like me or you or anybody else. If not, then maybe God hasn't rescued you. Or maybe you're just carnal. The old man was crucified with Christ. But we have to reckon that old man dead daily. Romans 6, 6 and 6, 11. This one hope predestined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And he sees our glorification as already done in Romans 8, 29. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. How can that be? I don't know. I thank, I thank God it is. <laughs> God will change this vile body. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which are also eagerly we wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. This body is great when you're young. You think it's never going to get flabby, saggy. Your chest is never going to become your middle drawer. <laughs> your curved hips are never going to become saddlebags. They will. You ever go buy bananas? They're kind of underripe, they're green, you go, oh, but you know, you take them home, they're gonna ripe a little bit, right? Then they get nice and yellow, boy, they're good. But if you let them go too long, they start getting spotted. There's the three stages of our body, green, yellow, brown. Time and gravity will take care of that. I'm not looking for this body, I'm looking for a new body. How about you? The blessed hope and glorious appearing of Christ is certain. In uh, Titus 1.13, 2.13, the blessed hope. 
We are to walk in unity because we are called in one hope of what? Our calling. You have hope? I hope it's in Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese and a sound reason for unity among Christians. There's much more to come, so be sure and tune in next time. But if you won't be able to join in, you can always pick up a copy on CD for only $4. The title to request is, Why Should We Walk as One? And just tell us which format you'd prefer when you get in touch. And this is also a great way to share this ministry with your friends and loved ones. So once again, the title to ask for is, Why Should We Walk as One? Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track this ministry in your area. Do you want to be sure of your salvation? Pastor Xavier Reese shares a simple test on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 